Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Make sure you adjust your own mask before helping others. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for your freaking motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Zadams. On today's episode, we are joined by Fortis as we talk about Black fetishization, and we will definitely get into that conversation very shortly. Before then, Fortis, how are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. So... Well, um, by this point, I don't know if I've been advertising about it or what have you. At least you, if this is your first episode, you know what's coming. Uh, November is happening. November is November. Catch up. Stay up. You're good. Stay woke. Um, so, <laughs> November is right around the corner, y'all. Come on, join the party. It's a, it's a festival. It's a festivity. It's, it's just nothing but fun and sex positivity. If you're not here for it, I'm sorry. You're listening to the wrong podcast. Oh, and before we really get deep into this conversation, uh, I'm going to provide you all with a gift at the end of this episode. A friend of mine who's going to be uh, on the podcast in season three sometime by the name of Sin wants me to read this poem that I wrote and uh, kind of did at this um, recent like poetry event. Uh, he said that the audience needs to hear it. So because he asked, I'm going to do it for you all so you can hear that. Again, it's going to be at the end of the episode, so stay for that. So that's my announcements. Church is now in session. So for tease, Black fetishization, what are your thoughts about it? I think it's all too common and it's not in a positive way. Ooh, and I agree. <laughs> what you mean? What you mean? Let's go into it. I mean... From Megan, like I have myself when I was on dating apps, Mm -hmm. I have met people outside of the black community that would reach out to me and ask about, they wouldn't even say, hey, there would be comments like, how big is your dick? You know, they would ask stuff like that, crazy things like that. Mm -hmm. And then there was one comment I remember I seen where they would actually be like, "Um, I haven't been with a, you know, they haven't been with someone black before, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's also coming, unfortunately. That was on Grinder, actually, believe it or not. It was of on Grinder. Adam for Adam, I did not too well know. Actually, on Adam for Adam, there was. I actually met a um married couple, mm-hmm. but around that time I did not know they were actually married. So there was someone that was actually that hit me up and they were actually requesting to, I guess, meet up. Now, mind you, they were not my type, respectfully. Mm-hmm. They gave off a bad vibe. 
and I don't know why, what it was, but I did engage with them in a the conversation because I wanted to get to know more, like, what's going on? Why am I not feeling, you know, not feeling this person like that? Mm-hmm. So this person, they revealed that they have never been with a Black person until maybe about three years ago. The only reason why they had interest in Black people was because they went to Atlanta Pride. Mm-hmm. And so I think based on that, what I had got from that situation, they have disclosed that they were into different things. They were into like physical abuse. They like they like to dehumanize people and everything to that nature. Mm-hmm. Mind you, you know, they're married and I think they're in an open relationship with another person. But what makes it very toxic is I think because of them, they're so quick to go into like having these sexual fantasy with these other men, especially black men it made it hard for the other person to actually hook up with other people. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is because I do recall I was talking to the other person at one point and they mentioned how much their husband was very, very much of a jealous hearted person, which I had told them like, you know, they're caught blocking you respect, like just being real with you. Yeah. Those things like that. And you know, this other guy, his spouse, he said some very out of pocket stuff that I just felt like that was just so unnecessary. Cause he said, like, I had times where he want he wanted to beat people up, like he want to punch, like he'd want to do things like that. Mm-hmm. Which at this point, I was like, um, well, I'm not that type of person. I'm not into that. He even said something about the nature of if he would have more money, he would actually have me in his house as a houseboy, just wearing like underwear or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, my thing was, I was like, you know, I'm all for role play, but not kind of that kind of play. Especially when you are putting yourself in, a, you're exposing yourself as this person who likes to dehumanize black men. Mm. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I think he had to have some type of experience with that himself. I think whoever he met up in Atlanta, I think they must have boosted his head. And I think he just felt like he can do whatever he wants because it he implied made a he implied that he had done this before. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, I have not really been one to be bothered. Now, what's funny is I actually seen seen them twice in public. Really? Oh, How did no. that go? <laughs> um, I think they don't recognize me because most times what happens is because I still wear my mask and I wear my hat. Mm-hmm. Now, on this particular occasion, now I think recently I had I wasn't wearing anything other than my mask. Now they haven't said anything out of the way other than they complaining on a shirt that I had purchased. So I'm not sure if they really recognize me, really, mm-hmm. but I recognize them. Wow. Um, <laughs> like, it, it's hard. Like, uh, there's a lot of thoughts. So, like, for those who enjoy, like, the physical um, play that causes pain and stuff like that, love that for you all. And also for those who enjoy being dehumanized, great. Even those who like to be objectified, those are wonderful, um, you know, kinks and fetishes and all those things for you to enjoy and, like, dive deep into. But sometimes I feel as though people utilize sexuality to express 
certain things that they're not comfortable with admitting to themselves. Like race play is a thing. Race play is not innately racist. I, and I'm saying that because of what I'm about to say next. Um, so I don't want anybody to think that just because people engage in like slave master kind of play where there's a white man who's the master of his black slave or things like that, that's more something that people will consensually agree upon and they're comfortable with doing that and in, uh, in the way that they play. But something within me is saying that this certain individual was trying to mask his desires of wanting to implement pain towards Black people as well as his, uh, his internalized prejudices and racism possibly uh, in in a way to opp further oppress black people under the guise that they're consenting to it even though they're really not re they're not really consenting to the type of play that he think is going on like it, it's really giving I want to oppress these people and I I'm using it through sex as best as I can now again this does not fit all categories, but it's just something within me <laughs> is saying that is what this person is. And that's who he is uh, and the type of play that he wanted. He wanted to abuse someone that's Black. He wanted to harm. He wanted to, uh, like, hurt this individual in a non-sexual way. Well, hurt you, honestly, in a non-sexual way under his own gratification of doing so and not to provide the pleasure for you and that's that's just the feeling that i'm getting <laughs> i could be wrong but it's just that's something that is really sitting with me in this moment right because he that was an interesting character that's all i gotta say he wasn't the only person i have come across that way now i have met other people no you, you end up being muted uh, what is going about? Um, oh, um, your your audio went out briefly. Oh, I'm so sorry. Somebody called. I'm so oh. sorry. <laughs> You're good. But My what man, were you what, saying? I would say, unfortunately, I have encountered other people like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna be honest with you, it's crazy how I had come across these people to this day because I'm like. Well, dang, what did I do in order to um engage in this conversation? Now, mind you, you know, I was during that time, I was actually exploring my sexuality. I was genuinely mm -hmm. trying to um trying to learn more about myself and what my interests were. Mm -hmm. And not only that, um, the problem was, unfortunately, most of the people that I was trying to link up with, they were not interested. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening was like people like them would just hit me up. Mm. and so that did make me feel uncomfortable because I'm like well damn and this is where I feel like the black um, fetishization things come in because you get hit on by these people who have this interest of trying to see what they can get out of the situation what kind of gra sexual gratification they can get out of it mm. and they have unrealistic expectations that's what I also want to say too when it comes to black fetishization you have to realize porn creates unrealistic expectations to where Oftentimes, they would actually have some type of huge, uh, I just don't know how to describe it, but they just have this strange appetite to where they're just not satisfied. Mm. 
And I just think that's one of the things that just rubbed me the wrong way because besides him, there was another person that I talked with briefly. Now, at this point, I did block them. Mm -hmm. But basically, it was just not right because actually, they were they were biracial. I'm going to just say that too. Mm -hmm. it's, I think I may be getting some backlash behind this, but to me, and I tell if say if I'm wrong, sometimes us as black people, we can fetishize ourselves, really and mm -hmm. truly speaking. Mm -hmm. And that was the case. The guy, he was from Atlanta. He was he was biracial. I think he was mixed with Cherokee, German. What else? He he was mixed with a lot of things. But mm -hmm. the guy, he was very off putting. Like, he always said he wanted a big boy, black boyfriend, or something like that. That's what he said. Like you, you, you're right. It does happen. It happens a lot more than people uh, are, uh, to my knowledge, are willing to admit because we become accustomed to certain things because of what we hear. We hear, "Oh, I love me a big booty woman. I love me a uh, big dick man." Uh, big dick black man to be specific i love these certain facets of the black identity that uh whenever i approach you with it that it should be normal for you to hear that and and, and because that is the normal expectation that you should be comfortable with that people say it um, and right. don't realize that it's um it can cause some type of um, discomfort for another person that includes those people who are within the black community as well because it's the norm it is so normalized like you don't hear too many conversations outside probably this podcast and others related to black sexual experiences where you're having the conversation of what black fetishization is this is not one of those topics that is extremely nationalized where we are able to engage in this in nuanced ways that oh black people do get uh, comfortable about these conversations even when it comes to the way that um black bodies are portrayed in uh, media and yeah you may hear um, people talking about, oh, we're always sexualizing Black women. Oh, we're always sexualizing Black men. But we don't go beyond that to talk about the actual issues people are uh, facing. We just make the right. statement and move past it. And we don't dive deeper into it. We don't talk about how even outside of the Black community, many individuals within the Asian community are fetishized or otherized in such a uh, in the way that they express themselves sexually uh, and mm -hmm. how those sexual stereotypes exist uh, we may gloss over it but we don't dive into it so uh, because we don't address it and it's the societal norm that these beliefs are forced upon us uh, we we internalize it in a way so of course you will find those black people who's just who's advertising that they have a bbd or bbc whichever one that works for them um and you will have those who expect other black people to have big dicks you will see those conversations or look at those uh, profiles where it's highlighting that oh, i only fuck around with big black dick man um and that's that's it if you don't have it you you need to go somewhere else because it's only big dick territory over here. You know, those kind of things. Uh, and because that is our norm, we're unwilling to accept that there may be a problem with the way that we engage in this, even if it does make the individual themselves feel somewhat uncomfortable. 
The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss include kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. those kind of things uh and because that is our norm we're unwilling to accept that there may be a problem with the way that we engage in this even if it does make the individual themselves feel somewhat uncomfortable if you get what i'm saying right no you're right about that but um uh, it's when it comes to like just the BBC in general. I think about the amount of times I've experienced someone who says that 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 that's the first thing that they say to me, or someone uh, asks me if I want their BBC and um, do you like the look of my BBC? And I'm just like, fam, you're more than just your dick. You're more than just your your sexuality in a way you're you're uh you're so much more than this but we have become accustomed to accept the fact that and i'm saying this throughout the black community we have accepted in terms of what others expect of us uh, we've accepted that we are to be sexualized in a way that our existence only goes as far as being the sexual object of another person or being a sexual object uh, for ourselves and as well as furthering the legacy of the Black community only through childbirth rather than actual development in our, and I don't want to say finances because that the financial literacy and all those other conversations and Black business things do happen. Those are conversations that happen. But the legacy that many of us are taught that we should be moving forward is always rooted in the, the facet of spreading the DNA to keep moving forward rather than our advancements that we can make for ourselves, our society as a whole, be it politically, um, technology-wise, or anything like that. We just don't take a moment to reflect on there's more to us outside of the romance and sex part of Blackness and, and also Black music and, you know, rap and R&B, all those other things. But outside of that, <laughs> we don't, we don't, um, we don't take that mantle of truly addressing the fact that, hey, this, I'm not saying this in terms of like Black Lives Matter, not that, but say, hey, we are fully human. We're more than this. And 
I know there's conversations like that that do happen, but this is not the national conversation that we're having. Whew. So, any thoughts before I go on to human trafficking? Because <laughs> here we are. I have no thoughts. You have expressed everything that I really have thought myself because, you know, that's, that's the only thing I can say. Shoot, you, you hit the nail on that one. <laughs> All righty, here we are. So now we're talking about a little bit of human trafficking. We just talked about race issues and it kind of got a little bit depressing and a little bit too real. And here we are talking about human trafficking and Black fetishization, meaning there's a whole bunch of Black people who are being trafficked right now as we speak. And here we are having the conversation about it. So, Fortis, thoughts? <laughs> Um, it's not very surprising. I'm going to be honest with you. What's so unfortunate is because as a collective, I think people across the globe have this thing where they perceive Black people as being inferior. And I hate to say that because oftentimes, like, think about what goes on in our society, in the U.S. and the United States. Mm. Oftentimes, you have people being gunned down. Oftentimes, you also have people being sexually assaulted or being dehumanized to the point where there's no recognition, there's no kind of reprimand, like no type of retribution towards that. There's no kind of justice. So whenever I hear somebody, someone getting sexually trafficked, so I mean, I'm struggling. Whenever yeah. I hear someone getting trafficked, I'm not too surprised, but I'm also not too thrilled about hearing that either because that does make me feel unsafe. Mm. Simply because I have you yourself, you know that we live in this city that, you know, that's very popularized. And, you know, sometimes I have heard that there's some people that will get trapped in certain areas. Mm -hmm. People will get kidnapped each and every day, especially kids, minors. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very disturbing to know that because oftentimes when you hear things such as people going missing or you see something about sex trafficking or even like people being sold for their body parts and stuff like that. That is mm -hmm. disturbing because you don't know what goes on in our corrupted society. People do yeah. some insane things. And I think when the thing of it is, is, it comes from what has been embedded in our system since the 1800s, when we were enslaved and everything to that nature. Mm -hmm. People, they have, they have seen us as commodity, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the disturbing fact of the matter is like when people do things like that, it just, it just makes me sick to my stomach. I, I'm with you, same. Um, like the one of the things that really, really um goes like it's always playing in my head because one of the things that I research is rape culture and part of rape culture is understanding not all of but some of human trafficking and just knowing the foolishness that does go on and unchecked within our society and understanding how quick we are able to otherize individuals and make them more of an unprotected class and what that means when you're unprotected that means you don't have the same rights as other people which means that you can become exploited which means that it gives people the right to kidnap abuse and rape and traffic and utilize you in ways that is completely inhumane just for the sake of profits just for the sake of their own um their own desires they have that privilege to do so because you're so far unprotected and our society honestly doesn't care 
to change that. It doesn't care to want to sincerely fix any of those things because at the end of the day, we live in a capitalistic society and it's always profit over people regardless. And that's right. the problem that, hey, we know that um, there's a huge issue with drug trafficking that's going on. And sometimes drugs are trafficked through bodies. And uh, mm -hmm. sometimes that it means a body that is deceased. Sometimes it means mm -hmm. a body that has um, been uh, had its organs replaced so it can still... I'm sorry, I'm getting too dark. But <laughs> drugs still make their make its way into this country and we do absolutely nothing to fix it on the governmental level. We know it's here, we've seen the research, we've seen everything that's going on, yet we take no actions. Going back to the 1800s, uh, you have uh, research upon research talking about the ills and um, horrors of slavery that is going on in the South, yet, hey, we're going to ignore that. And this is going back, throwback to the last episode. Uh, we're going to ignore that. We see this data that's saying that we have all this profit coming in. However, the slave owners are saying that they are very insufficient, are very inefficient. However, they're outdoing the mechanical things that could, you know, make a lot of people's lives easier. Yet, we're going to accept their belief, their argument into how efficient slavery is because they have the hands-on experience and fuck the data um, and fuck the context and fuck the people who are saying that uh, is very brutal down there for these people. We don't care about that. We're only going to focus on the profits. And that's been the motive of this country since its, ince its inception, that we're going to exploit people as much as we can solely for the sake of profits that that profit can be food that profit can be water that profit can be gold minerals whatever the case is if we can have a marginalized class we can have in immigrants who come into this country not knowing what they're getting into if we can have a full community known as black people who are forever oppressed we will have everything that we need to be successful within this exploitation that we need we all have the bodies to traffic because who cares about black women who cares about black men who cares about black trans uh identifying people because we don't because that's who we are going to be exploiting like mm -hmm. it's so much <laughs> so much that goes into this uh society that is just unchecked and um uh, we're just what supposed to be okay with that so, and there's another thing. I just found this statistic. It was actually founded by the National Center of Sexual Exploitation. Mm -hmm. And so basically, according to them, there's a basically it's disproportionate racial discrimination on sex trafficking. So mm -hmm. according to them, like there's only 13.6% of black people that's within the U.S. population. However, they have found that 40% of the trafficking victims mm -hmm. in the U.S. are actually black people. So that's, a, that's very staggering. That's also very disturbing to learn that. Mm hmm and this all goes back to being unprotected mm -hmm. <laughs> it always go back to being unprotected and let's not even talk about what happens to indigenous um people too um, oh yeah Native Americans. <laughs> like there's a problem there too they yeah, because um, i think they happen in canada i think if i'm not mistaken i think there's a lot of people don't realize this but i think if i'm not mistaken in canada they have a lot a higher crime rate associated with the Native American, not Native American, but indigenous people population as well. Mm. 
And as I'm, I'm quite sure it's because they're not provided the resources that they need, like the black community mm-hmm. here in the U.S. Like it's like this is not saying this is an excuse for crime, but crime makes sense when you think about what struggles the people are going through. Mm-hmm. Like crime exists whenever you have a lack. Now we're now when it comes to the crimes that we see, um, like rich people do, which is <laughs> completely different, um, mm-hmm. where they can easily get away with um, starving people, forcing them to work, um, grueling hours, or in dangerous conditions just for the sake of their profit, and that's fine. You 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 made a success in society because of the money that you brought in. So we're going to excuse that. But as soon as you steal some money from my ass, we need to send you to jail. To jail. How dare you? Exactly. How dare you embezzle? That's the worst thing that you can do in a capitalist society. However, you can kill as many people you want. And what? Life is good? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't subscribe to that. I don't either. No. And there was something that you said earlier that uh, was uh, that stood out to me, and I forgot, and I hate it. Um, and while I'm trying to figure that out, is there anything else that you wanted to say uh, related to human trafficking? So be careful of this, because I'm going to just tell, say this, too, with my experience. Be careful of the people that you befriend, because believe mm-hmm. it or not, People that you will come across that seems to be cool and okay, like in workplaces or even just friends, just be careful of that. Because there are some people that will try to bring you in and probably do things like that. The reason why I say that is because I have met someone of a different race. She was a white woman. And this woman was so obsessed with having me go out with her to different places. Now, at first, I'll just say this. At first, we did click because she's part of the LGBTQA plus community. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, I resonate with her because she she made herself seem like she was a lesbian. To me, she did. She looked like a lesbian to me. <laughs> I really thought she was. But we had conversations, and there were some things that we talked about that were interesting, but also, in retrospect, when I reflect on it, also disturbing. Reason why was because in the beginning, she was interested in having me basically help her with her own mom her mom had was diagnosed with a degenerative disease and basically she needed someone to assist her so i told her like i don't have no problem with helping her because i used to work in a nursing home and i was like also i was trying to i'm in the process of trying to go to school for something related to rehabilitation so with that being said i had some type of um experience with that and i said i don't mind help helping because she also said she was going to pay me too Mm -hmm. so that's why i agreed that was the initial um agreement now, I never got to do that because we didn't have that much contact. But the thing about it was, was disturbing because there was time when we did talk on the phone, she didn't mention about hanging out. Mm-hmm. Now, she wanted to hang out somewhere like, I think at some type of gay bar or something like that. And I wasn't against it because I was like looking for somebody to hang out with. But it was the area that they were talking about that was kind of sketchy. And my, me, myself, I have never been to a bar before at all because I don't drink like that. And if I do engage in drinking, I'd rather do it in the place of my own house simply because I just don't feel comfortable. You know, alcohol can cause you to become disoriented and everything mm-hmm. to that nature. And lo- and you have poor judgment. So I was like, no. And then on top of that, you know, she often invited me to other places. Like, I think there was some like game or something. I declined that as well. Now, it wasn't to be rude or anything like that, but there have been times I had other things going on. Now, whenever she had um ghosted me, because I mean, t- I'm telling you, like she used to ask all about me, but mm-hmm. when I don't, I have not been able to 
go based on her request, she'll basically just ghost me and everything to that nation. So this has been like six months ago. And I think about a month ago, I had talked with a, a co-worker, my supervisor, and they had informed me like they've been asking about me and everything. Mm. That's the worst part about it. And then another thing is she has a gay friend, a white man that actually likes younger black men. And so with this whole situation, which rubbed me the wrong way, she will also then bring up political issues such as human trafficking. She will bring up gun violence. And also she will bring up the fact that how often she will be discriminated against about with black people. Cause she had mentioned like black kids were being rude to her. Now I understand like sometimes these kids can be out of pocket, but I'm like, damn, I was like, what the hell are you doing wrong? Because she has, said some rude things out of pocket things because she did tell me that her friend that actually was interested in younger black men what he would do is basically he would go out with them and basically buy them anything they want but mm-hmm. they would he end up having been bankrupt i think he had to file for bankruptcy because i guess people the black people were using him as he as she said mm-hmm. but she didn't say it in that in that way she said well you know those niggas are gonna do what they want that's <laughs> what she told me and he said this was now a white saying, woman this was a white woman with short mm. damn hair like a damn. I'm like, I'm mm. looking at this hell for like, girl, did you just forget who the hell you talking to? Mm. Mm. So ever since then, I was already looking at her sideways from that moment on. And it was a simple fact, I guess, because of the fact that she knew that I was gay. I liked the men. And I guess she must have thought about recruiting, I guess, by me talking with them, she would think that would be the best way. Mm. And I never thought of it like that, but the thing about it is just be careful with people because some people can really mislead you in a way to where you put yourself in a very situation that you'll regret. So I just want to put that out there. Just be careful with people. Now I appreciate you for sharing that because that's a that's a conversation that uh that's information that people really do need to know. That yeah, it's it's cool to like get to know people, but there you have to also understand the motives behind getting to know them as well. Like the there's a large number of people who are recruited into sex trafficking uh, by way of grooming that oh i meet this person they uh, are sweet i enjoy them i enjoy our conversations they make me feel great they make me feel special they make me feel needed and wanted and all these other things and then somehow uh, within that process you learn that you are now um, being asked to work for this one person um and this person just going to make sure you're paid they're going to make sure you're doing well and we're not this work does not always have to be sexual at first um it happens in time uh and it's not also it's also not guaranteed that you'll be um uh, working and stuff like that because look when it comes to human trafficking it varies you have labor trafficking you have sex trafficking you have a lot of it but essentially what i'm saying is after a while you um, become entangled within all the mess that's going on within um, that, uh, I don't want to say relationship, but that situation that developed uh, unbeknownst to you that now you cannot escape or it's going to be hard for you to escape. They know who you are. They've isolated you. They uh, have ownership of everything that you have, meaning your house, their, your uh, access to funds, money, survive uh, here in the country or wherever you're located. It's so fucking complex. The, the one thing that really 
stood out to me uh, when I was, um, this was before I got my doctorate. I was at a conference that I, I did I present at this conference? I think this was the one I presented at, but uh, at this, it was a research conference uh, for Mercer. And uh, one of the individuals there, um, they work at, she works at um, uh, a human trafficking uh, organization in the Atlanta area and she was presenting on some of her research and she mentioned that she asked the question very broad what qualities are what uh who is a human trafficker uh or something like that and everybody you know was like given their definitions or what a human trafficker looks like and she just blatantly said it stated that everybody in this room qualifies to be a human trafficker because most people think it's somebody who's uneducated they think it's somebody who um doesn't know the ropes or anything like that um but she was like most people who are who are found guilty of human trafficking has at least one college degree and i was like oh and ever since then i was like "You, you, you need to pay attention to these people because yeah is is that is that serious like they can have a master's degree they can have a doctorate they can have any of those things and they get they recruit you so this is not me trying to fear monger anything like that this is just mm-hmm. me re, not like for the listeners out there this is just relaying some of the truth well just blatant this is the truth this is the reality that we live in. Uh, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, but it, it is what it is. And we do honestly have to figure out what we can do in order to mitigate this within our society. Because so long as there's a possibility for somebody to become a victim of human trafficking, or let's put it this way, um, just um, so long as there's an opportunity for somebody to become a survivor of human trafficking, which is a great thing to survive that, but they should not have been in that to begin with. So, um, so long as there's space for that, there's space that you or someone that you love may fall within that realm of being trafficked. Oh, oh. And like I said, this is a <laughs> This is a tough ass episode. Um, and this is why, because conversations like this that happens throughout the podcast, um, I have Hovember. <laughs> and Hovember is a space where we don't have these tough conversations. Uh, are these um very, very, very emotionally draining conversations because it's all about the good things it's all about the fun things related to sexuality but just because um there's a fun side doesn't mean that there's not hurt or trauma and that's that's the thing that people always need to remember there's traumas everywhere um hurt is everywhere but at least within the podcast we have a month of nothing but enjoyment <sighs> so uh, are you ready for some Never Have I Ever to yes, lighten up the, the mood? <laughs> yes, please. Yes. <laughs> Before we start crying. Um, here we go. Never Have I Ever made a purchase at an adult store. Oh, I made purchase at an adult store. Oh, yes. 
You know, I have to. I I enjoy visiting and well, as of my last visit, I I enjoyed it even more. It gave me inspiration to do something new. Uh what what was your experience like? I, I'll get into that new experience in a second, but what was your experience like when you first went to uh an adult toy and made your first purchase? I felt good. I felt like an actual adult. I felt like a, I actually felt like a um adult because of the simple fact that for one, you know, I had the opportunity to actually go to a sex store. I was very um excited for one because I always wanted to know what it was like. And I had went to one back in when I was living in Macon. So basically it was nice mm. for me. It was. And plus what was so amazing about the experience was because of course I went at went midnight because the freaks come out at night. That's but the overall thing was the person that was there, like they had the best customer service. They made me feel comfortable and everything. And they also expressed like their sexual experience. The funny thing was like they were heterosexual. But they were so open and so they had such an open mind and open heart because of the simple fact that they were very accepting. And they also provided good advice, too. So mm -hmm. it was nice. It was a great overall positive experience. And I think I went there about two more times, but I didn't go back simply because I just around that period of time, I was transitioning back to move over here. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, I couldn't do that. Now, there was another sex store I went to, but I didn't enjoy their customer service, by the way. <laughs> I feel you. Mm -hmm. uh, my my first time going to a sex store, uh, adult store, uh, I think I was an undergrad. And it, it really did feel liberating just to be in there because uh, me already wanting to learn more about sexuality and uh, wanting to just experience how variety it can be it was just like oh my gosh there's so much shit in here like this is where i need to be this is amazing um and i my my first time purchasing a uh, like toy from the store um like i purchased some online um uh, but the first time i ever purchased in this uh at the store was like like i think a couple years ago when i moved to augusta and oh. um <laughs> which is hilarious what well, moved back to augusta um like i had i just never wanted to like really pay those big boy prices for toys um but since i had purchased one that was like 129 and it was it was expensive and didn't do what needed need to be done i talk about it on the vibrator my pie for anybody who wants to hear that tell just go to that look in the show notes um but it it I was like, let's see what else I can get. Oh, actually, no, that's a lie. The first time I actually purchased some toys uh, at a uh, uh, sex uh, adult toy store was at when I lived in Nashville. Uh, I purchased some toys for myself and my uh, boyfriend at the time for us to enjoy together. And that that was the first time. But my experience when I went came to the one here in Augusta, it wasn't a positive one the first time because um, I think I don't know if he, he was the manager or what have you. It was him and some other chick. Um, they were kind of joking about you know there being customers in there and i'm like this is a sex story like store like what 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 why are you why are you these people <laughs> you're giving negative vibes mm -hmm. calm down like be accepting other people that come in like sex is something that should that can be enjoyed and should be enjoyed so don't don't provide that energy at the door 
So um, they even questioned the stuff that I got, and they was like, "Oh, this is interesting." I'm like, "It's it's a fucking feather, like <laughs> it's a it's a riding prop. It's 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 okay." So yeah, but the second time I visited this uh, location, which was recent, uh, I ran into an old classmate and it was beautiful it was a great experience but that actually made me want to like it motivated me to do a little bit more work on the coaching side and consulting side for like people whose first time is going into like that space those people who don't know what pleasure looks like for themselves and don't know what toys that they should try out first they don't know exactly what a certain thing does because my friend uh, this was her first time actually being in that kind of environment and um, trying to learn these toys so uh, a part of my homework assignment was to go to an adult store and have a tour and uh, after the tour she told me what was the most popular things we went back around the, the store so I can tell her exactly what people use certain toys for how they can be innovative with it and like if you have a, somebody who's new what kind of questions to ask it was just it just it it provided a new sense of self that made me want to be like i i'm here <laughs> like this right. is what i can do for a lot of people and it just it made me feel secure in the things that i currently do and what i'm working towards so that was just amazing for me i'm glad to hear that because that same story that you spoke of that's the one i was throwing shade at by ooh, the way ooh, and i understand <laughs> and i understand like i actually wanted to um uh, work with them to like help them increase their business and figure out how they can like start up this consulting thing to make it a little bit easier but i i just decided i might as well not do that with that to that store i can do it with someone else not right like the money is money for me in terms of that i'm cool with helping them out it's just i'm not going to be here in like a few months so I, I'll look at it whenever I come back or if I just right. have my own coaching business, I just tell them, hey, this is what I'm doing. How can I partner with you all to get discounted uh, toys whenever I have a, uh, someone who needs to experience and want to like patronize your your shop? Like, what can we do? How can we work together? So that. Um, would you like a would you rather? Oh, um, would I rather? Mm hmm. So um, let's see. Would you rather have a sexual fling with someone 10 years older than you or have one with someone 10 years younger than you? Mm. I'll go for older. I'm so used to that. Same, same. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm used to just um, engaging with uh, people that's older than me um, and sometimes probably 20 years older than me um don't judge me audience <laughs> i'm an adult um but like yeah someone younger like yeah it'll be fun it'll be like you know an experience uh and i'm 30 for people who don't know that but i also don't like to engage with someone that's less than like who cannot purchase alcohol like <laughs> like, why are we here um like yeah sex is uh sex can be fun or whatever but i don't i'm not searching for it um uh, from 
the youngins. Uh, would you like a sex question before I close this out with this poem? Oh, yeah, that's fine. All right. So if you had to choose between being a dominant or submissive, which role uh, would you pick and why? Mm. Now, I, there was a time that I have expressed about being submissive. Because mm -hmm. for me, on the submissive side, I would say that it gives me the um the ability to be more receptive and be more open and be more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Just so it can just help me, I guess, release all apprehension mm. in that in that context. But I would say dominant, just because I'm exploring my power, my personal mm -hmm. power, and I want to utilize it. Not to abuse it, but, you know, just to be confident in it, stand tall, you know. Yes, I love that. I, I, I'm with you there. Like, uh, I've learned... <laughs> I'm very, very dominant um, <laughs> in multiple aspects. Even if I am submissive, I'm still slightly dominant. So, like, am I able and willing to submit to uh, someone? Sure, I can do that. But can I do that for, like, a long period of time? Hell no. I just cannot. Right. But, like, uh, I will say dominant would be the role that I will most likely play and be within for the uh, the majority of my relationships with people even when it if it's like a casual um hookup so that's just it's me at this point um do you have any last words that you would like to share with the audience before i go into this other stuff i would just say just steer clear just be use your intuition your intuition always guides you to the right place mm. Just be careful. Just use careful judgment. Just don't be so easily misguided by other people. Mm. Amen to that. So um, <clears throat> to the listeners out there, um, this poem, as Sin asked me to do, uh, yes, I'm name dropping um, and throwing a little bit of shade because we just had this conversation like before we started recording. <laughs> but the, this poem uh, is called, Is It Really Love? So audience, I'm just inviting you all to the therapeutic journey, the my therapy journey, um, dealing with uh, un, like a broken hope the younger version of myself who just did not understand and was just out here being reckless are just falling for a lot of things. And apparently this speaks to a lot of people. And yeah, and Fortis, if you want to talk about this poem after we get, after I read it, we can do it briefly and then we'll close it out. Um, okay. So <laughs> let's go. Is it really love? I find myself twisted in the grasp of my lust and my anxiety. This entanglement has brought me to yet another bed. I tell myself there's a possibility that more can come of this. However, this tryst is a romantic figment of my imagination. You called me boo, bae, love, and sweetie, monikers that were replaceable by the words of the, of the sneaky link. Unneeded names used to guise the fact that you only wanted me for my body. But here I am, forcing myself to fall in love with a stranger in order to feel confident in the release of my sexuality. But is this really love? I want it to be love so I can leave this one-time encounter 
uh, one-time encounter, reaffirming my preconceived notions that I'm destined for heartbreak. I want to fall deeply and quickly in love so that I can receive the gift of confirmation bias that resides in, the, in both of our eyes. But is this really love? It is the unconscious selection of qualities and characteristics that allows me to continue my replays, uh, to continue, sorry, uh, it is the unconscious selection of qualities and characteristics that allows me to continue to replay my traumas. It is the desire to form a cemented foundation which molds the definitions of my cognitive dissonance. But is this really love? It is the hurt that I care too much for that I refuse to let go, the ills and attitudes of all former lovers that I refuse to release because I wanted to mend their broken hearts, not realizing that the only heart needing mending was my own. I know it's not love. It's the cracks within my heart looking for quick fixes, hoping the shards of another were a proper fit, yet they never were. It is the refusal of allowing the homeostatic ecosystem of my emotions and body to heal itself. It is my refusal to purge the things that are eating at my guts and soul and prevent me from embracing the power I refuse to see. It is the dismissal of my intuition and integrity because I was more comfortable with being gaslighted rather than acknowledging my worth. It never was love. But at least now I recognize that. And that's the poem. So, huh? Damn, I felt like I've been read to still. <laughs> that's how I would have felt a year ago. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you because that's deep. That's really deep because that that was me a year ago. Really and truly speaking, like I, I was that person a few years back when I first started getting into the hookup scene. Mm -hmm. I did validate my um worth based on men's getting receiving men's attention. Mm. And all the time when they would speak these little words, like they little words, you know, trying to mac, you know, play, like try to say some nice things. I was I believed it because I was like, okay, I'm first time getting attention from a guy. Mm. But goddamn, oh no, that's how it is. That's how it be. Damn, now you make me feel like want to cry. Cause uh -huh. I, I saw the episode of Glee because <laughs> I felt like I was read on that episode because I remember that character by the name of Kurt and his father had that conversation mm -hmm. and it was somewhere regarding sex and basically he was saying like don't throw yourself around like you know basically you know when you're having sex don't be like that don't throw yourself around you're more than that mm -hmm. Exactly. I remember seeing that episode and I was in my feelings then like it's um I like this this I, I don't know what because I know when I wrote that, I wasn't feeling those specific thoughts, but I did channel that younger version of myself when I was typing everything. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, I was thinking about what was it? It's like part of what I write about in the Central Guide on How to Be a Hoe is pet names. And that's something that I always hated because you don't know me, but you're already calling me baby. And mm -hmm. we're engaging in our first ever sexual encounter. And you are acting as though I'm actually special to you. And I know that it's not going to be anything outside of this encounter. And why pretend as though it, it, it is going to be something like that. And I know right. a lot of that comes from a lot of 
people who participate in like casual hookups or even just um, getting to know somebody just for sex is because a lot of them are hurt themselves or they just don't know how to express or articulate the things that they desire and want. Um, so they just act the way that they've been told that they needed to act. Um, like I have to call this person baby because to me, I want I want to feel that, but I'm too afraid to have that outside of a sexual encounter because I don't feel as though I'm worthy of having that kind of partner or I, I don't feel worthy of, of love in general. And I think that's a, a mindset that a lot of people are in and they're just uncomfortable with stepping outside of that and accepting that I too deserve love. I too deserve uh, peace. I, I, I deserve happiness. I deserve um, a love that fills, fills me up uh, and pours into me and fills me with a, a way that's so abundant that regardless of how much I pour into other people, that I will always be full. And the same thing is that the person that I'm with, they're always full too, in such a way that you're so full of love that it doesn't make sense. Like how can two things pour into each other and it never goes empty? That kind of love, that right. love that is undescribable, that is not, it's so non-existent, but it, it exists kind of thing. Like in, in essence, it's unexplainable of how it's so powerful, but it's here. Like we all deserve that. Exactly. But, yep, that's the poem. <laughs> if y'all have any... I love it. Thank you. Uh, for the listeners out there, if y'all have any comments, if you want to share, if it made you feel some type of way that you want to uh, share with me um, in the show notes, I keep it there. You can always go to um, the Slayers Playhouse website. You can find my Instagram. You can reach out to me that way. You can even um, send me something through TikTok. You can tag Slater's Playhouse. That's the name of the TikTok. I only TikTok through Slater's Playhouse. So people, if you need to find it, there you go. But yeah, you can search Slater's Playhouse, um, clip the poem if you have the capabilities of doing that or just find a random post on there and just talk about your experience hearing the poem and i will reach out and i will like communicate with you all engage with you all because you know it's it's who i am like reach out to a motherfucker but with that said, Fortis, thank you so much for joining me today as we uh, talked about Black fetishization. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Um, to my listeners out there, thank you all so much for listening to the Holy Liquid Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. Just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.heauxliloquy.com. 
share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.